Hello and welcome back to the Grow Your Path to Wellness podcast. You guys, can you believe that today, not just eight total, but eight in the Wellness Advocate interview series. So welcome, Tira, because you get to be a part of that. Yeah. <laughs> You're number eight. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. So regardless um, of your artistic ability, like we learned from Jenna last week, um, that you can use some art and creative interventions as a therapeutic tool and just healthy mindset and lifestyle in general. Today, we welcome Tierra Cross to shine a much needed spotlight on the importance of understanding mental health through the lens of Black individuals in America. So Tierra, I know we just said thank you, but I, all my heart to you. I appreciate you. I told you vulnerably individually, like, it's not your job to do our work. <laughs> it's our job to do our work. So thank you for your willingness to give more of yourself. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I feel like the more expressive I am and the more I share with people, um, I feel like I'm doing my part to educate those who aren't educated and also doing my part to make those who look like me feel more comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. So, Kelsey, I'm sorry I took over your part. It's okay. <laughs> so, um, um, if you want to ask Tiara and allow her to introduce herself, and we'll go from there. Yeah. So, you know, Tiara, just as whatever you feel like you want to share, just to kind of introduce yourself, give us um, like a background of not just, you know, your, it's a wellness, you know, interview, but just it can be your professional background or background in wellness and, um, just kind of what led you up until this point where we're talking with you today? Sure, absolutely. So I'm currently a licensed professional counselor. Um, I also have my chemical dependency license. Um, so mainly I see a lot of dual clients. Um, I have a certification in trauma because, you know, as you know, the majority of the United States has experienced some trauma. So I thought that that would be very helpful in working with mm -hmm. clients on a day-to-day um, I'm actually also a Reiki practitioner. Um, I do believe in wellness and I believe in holistic as well as Western medicine. I think you need a little bit of everything sometimes, depending on the client and where they're at and what they're struggling with. Um, I've had some um, experience with inpatient, outpatient, children, residential, um, private practice. I've had a little bit of everything. I think that you know, having well-rounded experience will help you figure out where you really want to be and kind of what's your thing. So I think that that has helped me. Um, I've worked with families, I've worked with um, couples. Um, so I've really enjoyed the chemical dependency population. I think that I will probably forever be a dual counselor at heart. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, I just, I love working with that population. And that's where we met, uh -huh. <laughs> working with that population, entrenched in the criminal justice system. Yeah, my heart will always be there too, with that being kind of my start. So. And yeah. so now you're doing private. So now, right now, I actually, I have launched my private practice, but I'm doing it part-time. I do still work full-time um, for a nonprofit. So I do a lot of community-based with um, families, couples, and um, adults. I don't typically see children, um, but I do see a lot of teens. Okay. Thank you. 
Um, so I know one of the topics, obviously, that we're here for today is for you to talk about what we need to know as a culture about Black mental health. Um, so can you kind of elaborate more about this? Because you, I, I asked you to bring the topic. So this is all you, girl. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that I even still struggle with to this day as being a professional, um, it does not matter how many degrees you have. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive. You still are at a high risk to experience racism, um, whether it be you know, microaggressions at work, whether it be at the grocery store, because, you know, I may not be dressed up that day. I may just have on, you know, sweats and um, a hat or something of that sort. And I feel like a lot of times people have this image that, oh, well, you know, if you do the right things, like if you just go to college and you get a degree and, you know, you get a career and you drive the right car and you look the right way, um, then we will be accepted and we won't be harassed and, you know, we won't be racially profiled. But I'm here to say that is absolutely incorrect. I've had, you know, numerous instances where, um, you know, I don't think that it was just oh, me overreacting. It was kind of blatant racism and I didn't necessarily do anything to trigger it or say anything to trigger it. But because I'm black and I was, you know, shopping in Crocker Park, someone decided, hmm, I don't know if she can afford to shop here. So let me follow her around the store and, you know, get the manager and kind of just keep an eye out on her because just we're, we're just not sure that she can afford to be here. You know, things like of that nature. Um, so I really want to break the stigma of, you know, if you do everything right, then you shouldn't have any problems because that's just not even true. Stuff gives me chills because as a white, you know, a white woman, like, of course, I didn't experience that. And, you know, I have that privilege. So, like, hearing you say that, that that was an experience that you had. Like, and like you said, you know, I'm sure it's not the only one. But, yeah, I think that that, just that stigma and everything. I love that that's a part of, you know, what you do and the stuff that you put out there. Absolutely. So Oh, go ahead, Amanda. Yeah, no, you're fine. Can you just, like, I don't know if you were planning to, but can you just, like, elaborate more on that? Because I feel like, just on my end, that feels so heavy. Because it's like, okay, just following all the rules isn't going to stop the racism. And then that's like, oh, well, that's hopeless. Now what do I do? Right? So, so one thing that I love about some of my social worker and counseling friends and some of um, my white friends in general and you included, you guys have been advocates for change. Um, I try to explain to people, it's not enough to just not be racist. Like you can say, oh, I got black friends. You know, I like black people. I'm not racist. But even that's not enough. You have to actually be anti-racist. You have to call out those family members, call out those co-workers, you know, call out those people who you may interact with, who they think that, you know, making the black jokes are funny, or they think that, racial profiling is funny or they think that you know having um police brutality as far as like the guy um the police officer who kneeled on the guy's neck and you know a lot of people wanted to make jokes and memes about it not really taking it seriously and not understanding that you know this is a fear that we have every single day like i don't feel safe being pulled over by police officers it doesn't matter that you know i drive a nice car and my insurance is 100% up to date and my license is up to date, I still am afraid because I don't know how this encounter will go. Mm -hmm. Because there have been numerous people who, you know, quote unquote, were following the law, but somehow something still went wrong 
and now we're making t-shirts and we're making posters and we're protesting. Yeah, 100%. So when, you know, people who are not of color take a stand and they stand out and they speak up, that is what we appreciate. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, with the whole Democratic Party and them in the kente cloth and kneeling, like, honestly, that was ridiculous. Like, that's not what we're asking for. Mm -hmm. We are asking for you to say something, do something. So while I can appreciate you wanting to show solidarity, that wasn't it. Mm -hmm. It has to be genuine. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people get so caught up in wanting to tell us what we need instead of just asking, how can I support you? Mm -hmm. Ooh, so that I hits so deep, Tierra, because like, uh, oh, that hits so deep because that's what I do on a daily basis with my clients. That's why I'm out of the that's why I'm in private practice. That's why I got out of the community mental health because there's a lot of people making decisions for the people they serve, which is their business, without asking the people they serve what they need. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. Like, has anyone asked a black individual, how would you feel more safe driving down the road? What would make you feel more safe getting pulled over? Like, so just, just ask. You know, take on that assumption that, you know, that assumption is just as you know, harmful. You assume that, you know, what somebody needs and even that like maybe you're, it's just like that inherent assumption. And even if on the surface, it's not your intention, but you're making that assumption and then acting on that instead of saying, you know, just asking. Absolutely. And that is one of the most frustrating microaggressions because I do know that it's genuinely coming from a good place, but I am not looking for like the white savior complex. Like I'm just gonna come in because I know what I need to do to help you to fix this situation. And it's frustrating because it's like, you know, I may genuinely know that you're a good person, but that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So now I have to kind of regroup and ground myself so I can have a conversation with you and explain to you why that's completely inappropriate. <laughs> because honestly, if we don't have communication, we don't have anything. So I'm going to explain, I'm going to explain it to you. And I'm going to try to help you understand, as a fellow professional, why this is not culturally competent. And I sincerely hope that that is not how you interact with your clients. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that facilitates change for that person, mm -hmm. moving a, you know, a, a trickle down effect after that. And that's what I'm hoping. That's why I have always been like very vocal about it. I've always tried to normalize therapy for those in my community because one frustrating thing in my community is that we are often taught to, you know, pray about it. We are often taught to not engage outsiders in our business. And, you know, we have the stigma, oh, well, if you need therapy and there must be something wrong with you, you must be crazy. And it's like therapy is so important. I'm a therapist and I have a therapist because just living in today's society as a black woman creates so much stress and anxiety on so many levels for so many different reasons. You have to be able to process that in a healthy way so you are not damaging your mental health, damaging your spirit, damaging your body. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you, I know, Tierra, you all, you mentioned wanting to talk about the term code switching and specifically like navigating being a black professional in the world. So like you mentioned like living in this world and being able to process, but then adding on top of it, being a black professional in this world. So can you, you know, when we, uh, 
like us being honest with ourselves, it, you know, makes us feel, you know, like tightness in our gut and in that reaction. So can you educate us more on, on that issue and that topic? Absolutely. So code switching is kind of like survival in the professional world when you are a person of color. Because if I say something and someone who is not of color says something, oftentimes it can be taken in a different way. So I am a very passionate person. I will always share my ideas, share my thoughts, you know, in staff meetings when they say, you know, if someone has comments or concerns, I will always voice my comments and concerns because I feel like, you know, change doesn't come from being quiet. But a lot of times when you are very direct and you have very concise communication, if you are a person of color, it is looked at as being aggressive or it's looked at as being angry or it's looked at as having an attitude. So when we're in this these professional environments, it's like we have to double check and triple check what we're going to say, what we're wearing, what our hair looks like. Because, you know, there has been an ongoing battle of is black natural hair actually professional hair? I'm glad that we're at least making some progress in that forefront. So, you know, we're getting less backlash for just wearing our natural hair in its natural state. But it's like it's a constant battle. You have to look, you have to reread your emails. Well, you know, how is this, how can this be perceived? Because I'm not able to put any body language with it. I'm not able to put any tone with it. So is this going to be taken the wrong way? Am I going to have to have a conversation with HR because someone feels like I'm being aggressive or I'm creating a hostile work environment when literally I'm just being myself and I'm being open and honest, but apparently I'm someone to fear a lot of times simply because I'm a person of color. Oh, the anxiety, the, you're nervous. I mean, the way you describe that is like walking on eggshells 24 seven, running everything through six filters. And yet you still have to be on your toes on your job and you're responsible. I say this all the time. All right, now I'm about to be responsible for another person's mental health. We got this, right? And you have all of that going on in the background, and yet you're still expected to do your job and take care of other people's mental health. And if not, then you're probably going to be judged for however many other reasons. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I've always been taught, and it's been kind of proven through experiences, that I have to be twice as good. I have to be on my toes. I can't drop any balls. It doesn't matter that I'm trying to juggle nine of them in the air. I have to be if effective in everything I do on my job. Otherwise, it will be a problem. I won't get the slack or the compassion or the grace that other people get. And, you know, I've lived it and I've seen it. So I get it. That's exactly what it is. So for us to survive in a predominantly white culture where upper management will usually will never look like me. I mean, we may get, you know, one manager here, a clinical supervisor there, but in reality, the ones sitting on the boards making decisions, in reality, the CEOs and, you know, the heads of departments, they typically will not look like me. So they will not understand what it's like to be me or walk in my shoes. So when I'm walking into these rooms and I'm having meetings with these people, I have to double check and triple check everything I'm doing and everything I'm saying so that way I can survive.
What keeps you going? Honestly, it's the clients. Mm -hmm. It is the clients. When I have a client and they make progress or, you know, they have one of those aha moments when the light bulb goes off, that makes all of the other bureaucratic crap worth it. Mm -hmm. I always make the clients the center of my work because if I don't, I will get so lost and so frustrated in all of the other stuff that's going on. I feel like I will be kind of jaded. Mm -hmm. So as long as I'm making my clients the focus, I can keep my love for what I do. Mm -hmm. It just feels like it's like, you know, a price you have to pay and something you have to, you know, constantly be. It's almost like a fight or flight, you know, place you have to be, you know, in the workplace. But those you know moments with those clients I'm you know make it I'm sure feel worth it I can't speak to that you know because I don't experience those things but well for me it makes it worth it because yeah. at the end of the day especially with working with a nonprofit, and I'm typically working with the underserved population and a lot of them who do look like me who finally got the courage to come in and say you know what I do need some help something's not right I need some help I love to be a brown face to be there to welcome them. Mm -hmm. I love to be able to share with some of them, um, you know, the experiences even that I've had so they don't feel alone. Because mm -hmm. a lot I'm of I'm not even a brown person, Tira, but just hearing you say that the way you said that was so beautiful. Like, mm -hmm. I just want to be a brown face there to welcome them. Mm -hmm. I don't think ever, anyone's ever said it so like beautifully and clearly like you know I, I guess I don't I, I and obviously because of my privilege I take for granted how most rooms most stores most places I walk into there's familiar faces in the room mm -hmm. but you just made me realize that that's not the case for everyone right it's definitely not um and we need that representation mm-hmm yeah. And I've talked to, because I, you know, I like to try to get an understanding from people. So I've talked to people, I've surveyed people um, of color, and just to try to understand what makes them either want to get help or not get help, or what makes them, you know, prolong getting help. And a lot of times, their answer was, "I just don't feel like there will be anybody relatable." Mm -hmm. I, you know, I get clients who say, "I don't want to have to explain." what I mean when I say, you know, I had to code switch today at work and it was frustrating. They're like, you know, I don't want to have to always explain what it's like to be me just for you to understand why I'm coming in and why I feel the way that I feel. Mm -hmm. so that is also part of what keeps me going because I feel like the more people um, that I can help, the more education I can spread, the more understanding and grace I can give to clients, it will help them tremendously. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful trickle effect, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then they go home and they start talking to their families and their friends, and they're like, "Man, you really gotta start talking to someone." They'll be talking about you for like a year or two, right? And then finally, like their friend might come around and be like, "What was your therapist's name?" Mm -hmm. Yeah. I sincerely hope so. Um, and, you know, I try to even be that for the people in my life. Like, it really, really made my day when one of uh, my close friends, she told me, she was like, you know what? I 
always kind of felt funny about therapy. Like, you know, should I, shouldn't I? She was like, but you have really normalized it for me. You have really kind of broken that stigma and made me feel like, you know, this is totally fine. I don't have to be cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs to go talk to someone about, you know, just my stressors and working through things and my anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are the moments that I live for. That's so beautiful. Oh, I could like just, I'm just like. <laughs> yes, it's so good. I just wish we could like record all day, every day and just talk to you, but that would be exhausting for you. And that's okay. So any, like, before we kind of start wrapping up and talking about some other things, is there anything else that you feel like is a constant day to day that we should be aware of as non-colored people, non-people of any type of color to know as like that continued racism you experience even after the following the rooms rules. So like if you're going to work and you're wearing the dress and your hair is the way it needs to be and all that, what is, you know, you said the emails, is there anything else that you feel like? I think that it would just be helpful to be mindful that every day is not a stellar day. And I find that I'm received differently if it's a day where I don't particularly want to see pictures of your children or I don't particularly want to talk about the weekend or, you know, pick out online shopping items. You know, some days I will retreat and I will do what I need to do, but I just don't have the mental space to do anything extra. But on those days where I don't have the extra to give, it turns into, oh, what's her problem? Oh, she has an attitude today. And I haven't been rude or unkind to anyone. I'm just not exuding bubbliness. Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay that some days I'm just not going to have that. And some days your coworkers will not have that. But I feel like when it's a brown it's automatically assumed to be an attitude thing, not, hey, you know what? Maybe she has a lot on her mind today. Maybe she's distracted. You know, you know, maybe she had kids at home and online school isn't going well and she's got a grocery shopping. All of these things that could be happening in our lives, considering the fact that we're living through a pandemic right now, the the first thing shouldn't be, oh, well, she just must have an attitude today. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just imagining and visualizing that as you're explaining that I'm imagining us right back where we were working. Right. And if that was me. And you came in and you said, Amanda, because we always got excited to see each other, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. I'm probably sure this has probably happened at some point, because you are who you are, that I was like, hey, and I was like working or whatever. And you were probably like, you all right? Everything okay? Like, it's like going on, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of that, instead of empathy, and oh my gosh, you're not your usual self today. Is everything okay? It's, Tierra's got an attitude today. Stay away from her. Right. Goes right back to that, like asking, you know, the empathy and asking what you need or do you need more support instead of that assumption. Right. Because as much as I love being a black woman and I would never trade it for anything in the world, some days it's exhausting. So some days I just need to kind of take a step back and focus more on my self-care so I don't have as much to spread. But that doesn't mean, oh, I have an attitude. It means I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Do you mind me asking? Like, in the misc and self care can always turn into a whole other topic <laughs> conversation. Like, what do you do 
for your own self-care, your own, you know, rejuvenation on not just those days, but, you know, consistently. Well, I am a Reiki practitioner, so I love to give myself Reiki. It's very calming. It's very, like, renewing for my spirit. I feel so much better after I Reiki myself. Um, I make sure that I keep up with my meditations um, and my daily affirmations because sometimes when I am just spent, that meditation and those daily affirmations kind of get me back to a place where I'm like, okay, I can, I can totally do this. I got this. Mm-hmm. You know, I make sure that I surround myself with loving people who don't just constantly take from me, but they pour into me as well. Um, I don't, I, sometimes I don't think people think of the company they keep as self-care, but it absolutely is because if you surround yourself with people who are constantly draining you, you will never have a chance to refill your cup. So the the energy around you absolutely matters. I will unplug. I will, you know, get off social media. I will close my laptop. I will silence my cell phone. If it's a day where I just need to be to myself, I will absolutely take that day without feeling bad. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people need to remember that self-preservation is not selfish. Mm -hmm. You have to give yourself a life raft. So just Mm -hmm. take a minute and be in that moment with yourself. Mm -hmm. using that self-awareness that you feel like you have to always have that mindfulness that you have all day every day you know but using it as a a way of like okay I mean take a step back I'm going to do this for me and that's okay absolutely I think sometimes we get caught up in not wanting to say no to people we love or care about but I am absolutely comfortable with the word no I had to become comfortable with the word no because if not I would be wearing myself so paper thin Mm-hmm. yes well thank you so so much for being here the you know your strength vulnerability all of that really shows and we really appreciate you bringing you know yourself and you know all of this information and being here with us today so um did you have any at all you know last thoughts or action items or anything you'd like to share before we wrap up today I would just like to reiterate to like, you know, our fellow social workers and counselors, like, you know, when you are working with people of color, please, please, please take the time to learn about their cultural norms. Take the time to Mm -hmm. learn about them as people and their experiences, because I will never say, um, you know, a person who is not of color can't help my community. But I think that the way you approach it matters greatly because for a lot of people, you have one chance to make an impression. Mm -hmm. So if you make a terrible first impression due to lack of cultural competency, you will likely not have a chance to make things right with that client. Mm -hmm. So I just always ask that, please, please, please. There are so many different resources out there. There are so many different ways to learn. And if all else fails, just ask them. Ask them how they want to be supported. Ask them, is there anything you can do? Ask them what they need. Because above all else, please respect their voice. We have so many people trying to take our voices from us. We cannot afford to reach out for help and get the same. Mm -hmm. And especially when you have a population of people that feel that their voice doesn't matter, and it's being taken away and then 
they somehow find the vulnerability and strength to make a call, come see you, even despite everything and their family and all those things. And then now they might not ever go back to therapy for the next 10 years, which I know is each individual's thing, but you might not have just ruined that relationship with you. You might've just really revalidated everything they thought. And, you know, therapy is pointless. Absolutely. That trickle down effect where you could have, you know, a very, you know, empathetic, genuine, positive trickle down effect or, you know, it's all in, like you said, your approach and with that, with any population, but especially, you know, the population of color, whenever, you know, taking a step back, recognizing our own privilege and then just simply asking what that person needs. Absolutely. So that is what I will leave you guys with. Okay, so I know um, I didn't have this plan, but I forgot you're a Reiki practitioner. And then also you do private practice. So do you have a website or um, we can link it? Can you um, maybe if you have like social media or or something easily to to tell them and then we'll link it to where they can find you? Absolutely. My site is also the same as my social media handles. Um, So the site is passionprojecthw.com. Okay. Stands for Passion Project Health and Wellness. Oh, I love I it. I love it. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for me, mental health is a passion project. Mm-hmm. Mm. You say it, girl. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. We will make sure we link that so people can follow you um, and get services that they need by someone that they feel looks like them and will validate them. Uh, next week we are gonna get together with Mallory Edwards she is a kindergarten teacher so we've we've gone all across the spectrum Mallory is amazing she does not have any psychological mental health specific training or education but she knows the importance and she makes sure it happens in the kids lives so that's really exciting I'm really cool I'm really cool I'm really excited to talk to her next week about that and so we can really engage in wellness in all ages and do some more prevention rather than putting out fires when they're adults, right? (laughs) Prevention is so important. That's awesome. Yes, early intervention prevention. All right, guys. Well, everyone, you know, everybody listening, you know, share with your friends. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe um, so that way you can get updated when, you know, our latest episodes come out. And, you know, so just everybody make sure we keep taking care of ourselves and we'll see you next week.